Should you do sweet spot workouts? Probably yes. Should you follow a sweet spot weighted training methodology? Probably not. That's what we're going to get talking about in this podcast. Let's get started. Now, I actually wrote the script for this podcast a couple of times and in the end I threw it away and no, do you know what? That's not what everybody wants to hear. They want to hear an opinion, um, a voice of some experience rather than some of the regurgitated science that I had planned. And I think this will make for a more useful podcast. Now, there are tons of resources if you want to look up what Sweet Spot is, how you can integrate it into a training program, what the science is. I think I wanted to talk really about my experiences as a coach and the athletes that I work with and how Sweet Spot actually comes out in reality. I think that's going to be a lot more useful, which comes back to that question, should you do Sweet Spot training? Yes. Now, I just want to quantify what is Sweet Spot training just for a second. And that is that once you've had your FTP or training uh, or threshold power assessed you work at levels just below that like the 80 85 to 95 percent of your ftp now for a lot of people that is a race pace so a cyclocross race mountain bike race a short crit race a zwift race probably comes out around sweet spot and it's been shown to be highly effective at building your ftp and performance and and fitness but also it has some downsides as well. But the oftentimes, the, all the pros outweigh the cons. Now, you're probably listening to this podcast thinking, well, I've heard other approaches as well, like polarized and optimized and flat levels. And, you know, what, what should I do? What should I do? And so my feeling is for most people, sweet spot is the right thing to do. If you are an average cyclist, looking for average results now that sounds really insulting but i just want to quantify that a little bit and as to why sweet spot just works for that sort of approach one sweet spot is in that area where we get endorphins adrenaline that feel good factor it feels like we've done a workout it feels like we've made progress feels like our time in that hour or so was worthwhile and it's rewarding and if it's rewarding you're more likely to do it (laughs) you know um also when i say the average cyclist the one of the downsides to sweet spot training is actually that it can become quite highly fatiguing now at what point that is depends on the athlete but generally speaking even quite well-trained people can actually maintain a fair amount of sweet spot training before the accumulated fatigue starts to catch up and so it's not really until you break outside of the averages that you need to start thinking about a different approach the whole point of average is that most people suit it you know which is why it it kind of works now sweet spot is fantastic for that low volume you know the time crunch cyclist is the classic one to think about and if you're fairly low on training hours then sweet spot training is a very very effective way to build your fitness build your ftp score and get that performance gains that you're motivated for however you will reach a plateau with it relatively quickly maybe that's what you want 
for a lot of the people that we coach, they tend to come to us with, I've entered an event, I need to get fit for it. I've got a family, I've got jobs. And absolutely in that situation, a sweet spot approach is totally the right thing to do. We can very carefully manage the fatigue and the performance gains at a time where they periodize ready for that event. The client is very happy. They've built their fitness. They go into their event fit and ready for it. And after the event, they probably back off and then go and spend more time with their work and their families and they go through a cycle. So sweet spot training really works for that. It can keep people motivated. Once we go outside of those averages, and I want to make sure that we go to both sides of the averages, um, and that can be someone that's very undertrained and someone that's overtrained as well. So first of all, if we are picking up a, a new client who is really doesn't do much cycling at all and very, very undertrained, then a sweet spot, actually the accumulated fatigue is going to get on top of them very, very quickly. But the other problem is, is that taking a more polarized approach and just to clarify that polarized approach is when you try and aim for 80% of your training to be very easy and 20% to be more challenging with an undertrained athlete actually doing really easy base work on a bike is actually quite hard. <laughs> um, you know, the bike still weighs a certain amount. The gears that are on that bike are still certain difficulty. The terrain they have to ride on, the headwinds they need to ride on. And sometimes undertrained athletes just aren't strong enough to ride a bike at that zone two aerobic um, area. You know, it just can't do it. And sometimes we have to go back to almost things like walking and jogging before we build fitness up to the point where zone two aerobic exercise can actually be done on the bike so that's that's never going to work and then by default almost all of their rides actually turn out a bit sweet spot and they get very very tired very quickly they will struggle to train much harder than that because a ride is generally works out about sweet spot so they never get the full advantages so that's one area we have to go outside of that sweet spot model i'm guessing that if you're listening to this podcast then you're probably into your cycling fitness and maybe you're sitting there thinking well sweet spot training so far has got me where i am but i probably reached a bit of a plateau and that's really really common actually when you follow a sweet spot training you download something like zwift and you get really into it or suffer fest and train a road or whatever it is that's normally your first steps into taking your cycling fitness more seriously and that sweet spot approach has got you so far those first few months you were seeing ftp gains you were going faster out on the road but now that rate of improvement has slowed down and that's normally where an athlete comes and sees coaching places like us and and thinks about employing a coach when they go i've got as far as i can on my own what's next and that's the other time when we normally have to step outside of a sweet spot weighted trading model now we're quite lucky here at MapDeck because we see our athletes a lot um, whereas quite a lot of online coaching especially you have very little interaction with your coach and so you're normally forced into a polarized 
training plan of some description that gets changed and manipulated to try and suit your training goals and dates, you know, in some sort of periodization. But once we step outside sweet spot, that's what we're looking for, either polarized or optimized. Now, when we step into a polarized model, everything becomes a lot more sustainable long-term because ultimately to improve your fitness, you need to start doing more training volume. And that means more hours. That really, really does. And you can't do that. You can't just do sweet spot every day. You can't do it. So you have to start getting that volume of training in at those really low aerobic intensities, that zone two, that low that low heart rate where you can ride multiple hours day after day you recover quickly and if you take a rest day you'll come back feeling super fresh and that's when you can really hit those hard workouts and you get the absolute most out of them and that's where you get the the gains it's that um it's that balance if you like between building up the capacity to create energy from the aerobic training if you've been listening to the previous podcast where we've been talking about how you create energy from oxygen you'll know that by doing that low intensity training you're training your body to create atp to create energy to make those muscles twitch and then on the other side that little 20 percent, we're doing the force production the raw power generation is actually going to use that energy that we've now created so makes sense it's a pretty obvious thing to do when you break down polarized training it's it kind of makes sense in your mind but even though i can sit here and go well that makes sense you know you build your power you build your strength you build the ability to actually do a performance but then you just add the endurance by making sure you've got the energy to do it sounds obvious the amount of kickback (laughs) that we get from athletes when we present them with a polarized training model is is bonkers (laughs) to to be fair looking for another word it's even though they might have read it, they might have watched the YouTube, listened to the podcast, the reality of actually following a polarized model can be quite challenging because all of a sudden you've got to take yourself out of your normal environment. That is riding with your buddies, doing your Zwift racing and completely change how you train, when you train, who you train with even. Because riding at zone two is going to be slow. And if your mates aren't in that same headspace as you, then you're going to be going incredibly slowly, being incredibly boring, and they're not going to be interested in riding with you. And that that hurts. Like for a lot of athletes, they really struggle with that concept that when they take on a coach and the coach says, now go slowly, they're not prepared for what that actually means in terms of their social interaction so to speak now some athletes really excel they find a group of like-minded buddies who just go out on a zone two ride they dress up warm they just go and ride and spend hours in the saddle and if you can get a little group like that going it is superb because almost at any time you know there's no hassle you just pick up your bike dress up warm if you go in you know, if you're getting too hot and you're starting to sweat, you're going too fast. You just need to back it off and just enjoy it. And you can spend hours just chatting and having a great time with your buddies, really, knowing that all the time you're racking up that training volume. It does take a certain mindset 
to do that though and then knowing that when you get back from your ride get yourself warm eat a really good nutritious healthy meal and carry on with your day you're not starving hungry desperate to eat carbohydrates you know you can still just eat a normal healthy dinner and then when you come to your hard workouts you should be absolutely fired up you know you should be like waking up in the morning and going yes today i have got intervals i am going to be so strong that is it i am so looking forward to this i just want to smash some watch out you should be so in that headspace that when you get on the turbo trainer or the track or whatever it is you're going to do your hard workout that god forbid be in that turbo trainer because you are going to smash the living hell out of it that's the sort of attitude that you're looking for in that in that situation and it's exciting like when you've got the energy to really do it it's brilliant and you'll see you'll start hitting big numbers and heart rates will be going absolutely bonkers and you're fine because you know that tomorrow you're probably gonna have a rest day or even just go out for a little poodle with your mates you know and just have a little zone two recovery ride in fact I've just caught myself calling it recovery ride but that's that's the wrong thing to call it it's a training ride it's a good top quality training ride it's not junk miles it's not a recovery ride it's an actual proper (laughs) training ride of absolute utmost importance so I caught myself and I'm sure you've done it um, as well now I've also mentioned in this podcast earlier on about the idea of optimized training now this is where things get really exciting and this is when they go is sweet spot right for you probably yes because now we can actually take that little 20 percent that we're meant to be doing hard work and really optimize it to exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve or more excitingly what is actually limiting your performance and we've actually talked in this podcast previously about identifying what actually limiting your performance and once you identify it you can train it like the body always needs energy so the 80 percent of training at zone two is always going to be important but that's not to say that riding at tempo isn't important either like or riding at threshold or even riding at vo2 or even riding at anaerobic capacity uh, neuromuscular capacity they're all important and they're important to different degrees depending on the demands of your sport, the demands of your fitness within that sport, and the thing that's limiting your fitness. Now, we train athletes down here, which you would normally apply a certain training model to, but because we can be next to them, speak to them, use things like the Moxies and the VO2 masks, we get a much deeper insight as to how an athlete is responding to the training dose. And if they're not responding how we expect we can change it plan do review optimize it look for the response that we're looking for a classic example would be athletes who um, really do hold on to their oxygen the, the muscle oxidative capacity the ability to actually use muscle is diminished and they get a buildup of co2 and you know you could do as much sweet spot training as you want it's just the wrong thing to do it doesn't desaturate the muscle oxygen it doesn't create an adaptation response um, so what we need to do is do a different intervention we need to optimize their training until they get that um, adaptation response and then we might be able to do some sweet spot once the body's working like we expect it and adapting to that training um, training dose so optimize i think is really 
where the future of cycling fitness coaching is like i think polarize has taken us um an awful long way it's difficult to integrate into normal life and a racing schedule and a right and you know and a, a social interaction schedule like friends and clubs and that sort of thing but i think with a more optimized where we take the best bits of sweet spot and the best bits of polarized and we keep targeting that is where things for me anyway get really exciting however it does need an awful lot more input and feedback and measuring than any of the other two approaches i think that's why when you go to a website let's say you're in the mood for a coach and you're going to google you know i cycling coach and you're going to get two opinions really you're going to get we're a sweet spot and this is how we coach or you're going to get we're polarized this is how we coach the optimized thing is tends to be what you find in sports teams um and when you've got a really when you're paying a lot of money for a coach is really by your side a lot and again i've talked about that in a previous thing but that is really that plan do review that's the most important thing of a coaching relationship like because your body is a really complex system and, and anything any time can change it you know stress hormones um race results family work just so many things that can just change instantly and this training program that's been beautifully written and crafted by your coach and spent hours and hours doing it it just needs like a big life intervention that's created an awful lot of stress and it's useless you've got to rewrite it you know it's just not right or maybe you're planning an event you know you're training for this race and then you know like 12 weeks before the event happens there's um, a course change or they've they're moving location or there's something different that changes you know maybe they've put a big hill in it or maybe they're taking a big hill out of the course it could be any one of those things um could be that the weather is going to be appalling if you're doing like a gravel or a mountain bike race and you've been it's absolutely chucking down with rain it's going to be in the winter and now you're changing into like a riding style that's chugging through mud as opposed to a riding style that's on smooth trails it changes you know and you know this input needs to be constantly considered you know and this is what the pros do they they look at this all the time and they're training for it now coming towards the end of this podcast and i want to mention one more thing and that is how do you integrate strength training with this now everything we talked about is dead easy if you've got something like swift or train the road they'll do an adaptive training program for sweet spot type training if you're on things like excerpt then it'll be mostly polarized based with a whole lot more optimization but using the artificial intelligence to really help that training plan evolve but none of these really help you with how you integrate strength training and in fact if you read through all the help files and go to all the forums there are thousands of questions about well i want to do strength training everyone tells me that strength training is really important but how do i do it without it affecting my ftp and when do i do it and you know do i log it do i record it do i give it a tss score um the jury's still out on that to be fair but the thing to remember is that we are just about fatigue management when we're doing a training program you know all we're trying to do is have 
an effective training dose and at the same time manage the fatigue so that we could have another effective training dose. Now, when we talk about strength training, we get what we call the interference effect, that training for one sport has a different demands to training for a different sport and they're not compatible. You know, so the way to really think about it is that when you train strength, your cycling performance will be a little bit suppressed. You know, you'll have some slightly tired legs. You might be a little bit over fatigued and therefore you need to adjust down your expectations and the intensity of your workouts because you're getting that somewhere else, even though it's not recordable. However, when you are strong, you know, your cycling performance will be much better, be optimized. So that interference effect swings, you know, depending on where you are in that season. So generally speaking, in the off season, we try and build our strength up. And that's, I did a YouTube video about this, about meeting some benchmarks in the off season, knowing that, that when you want to start optimizing your cycling, you come to your cycle specific training with a much stronger body. And therefore you'd expect much higher performance outcomes as well. So balancing this gain and fall in strength with the gain and fall in cycling endurance and performance is just all part of what a coach can really offer you probably more so than what any of the artificial intelligence software is coming anywhere close to being able to do so just to introduce the subject for next week this is really about that dichotomy between anabolic and catabolic (laughs) two big words probably three big words but if you want to put it another way just to introduce a subject for next time it's the balance between building and using your body okay until the next one take it easy have fun out there